this of the Tyre Nichols video. Let's uh, go to Fox News here. Officials in cities across the country are urging calm as we await the release of body cam video from Memphis that is said to be pretty brutal. A horrific beating of Tyree Nichols that later led to his death. The police chief calling the footage horrifying and disgusting. All five Memphis officers involved have been arrested and charged with second-degree murder and other felonies. The incident happening earlier this month on January 7th, when 29-year-old Tyree Nichols was pulled over for suspicion of reckless driving. An initial confrontation occurred between the officers and Nichols. He then fled the scene, and later a confrontation happened, and the officers arrested Nichols. He went to the hospital with serious injuries and died three days later on January 10th. The following week, Memphis police launched an investigation, as did the DOJ. By January 20th, those five officers were fired and were arrested yesterday. Cities are preparing for unrest. But Tyree Nichols' mom is pleading the supporters to protest peacefully. But I want each and every one of you to protest in peace. I don't want us burning up our cities, tearing up the streets, because that's not what my son stood for. And if you guys are here for me and Tyree, then you will protest peacefully. You can get your point across, but we don't need to tear up our cities, people, because we do have to live in them. And the Memphis police chief is emphasizing that this is not about race. It takes off the table that issues and problems in law enforcement is about race. And it is not. It's about human dignity, integrity, accountability, and the duty to protect our community. So, Jessica, we've heard of victims' families before in these situations plead for calm, plead for peace. And oftentimes those pleas are not followed. How do you think things are going to shake out tonight? Well, I'm hopeful that they will heed the family's calls. President Biden released a statement as well saying, please be peaceful about this. But the timing is difficult. It's going to come out after 7 p.m. on a Friday night. And I can see both sides to this, that maybe it's better if people are going to protest, that you have the weekend where you're not supposed to be at work. Um, but it also could be extremely dangerous with people running around you. I mean, you're sitting at home on a Friday night at 730 and you see a video like that. I've been talking to liberals and they're concerned, liberals in Los Angeles, they're concerned about the potential for massive riots, unrest, criminal violence in the wake of the release of this footage. Um, it's it's got to be pretty bad if they preemptively charge them to make sure that everyone knew that it was this bad. If they're saying that it's arguably worse than the Rodney King video and we know um, that there are people, the five police officers, a uh, firefighter who responded to the scene as well has also been charged. Um, I think that we're in for a really heart-wrenching weekend and few days after that. And Okay, so all five of the police officers charged here are black. So I'm a little confused because in movies and TV, usually shows you know, black police officers being extra sympathetic to black criminals. But in real life, from everything I've read everything I've heard that uh, black police officers tend to be even tougher on accused black criminals as well as Latina police officers seem to be even tougher on accused black criminals than white police.
I'm honestly scared. I'm scared also to personally watch the video. I watched the George Floyd video, which was very difficult. I don't know why you'd be scared to watch the video, right? This seems like uh, virtue signaling. I mean, after all the violence that we watch in movies, TV, uh, news video, uh, that just seems pretentious. And it sounds like this is going to be worse than that, which is hard to imagine. Judge, how do you think the Memphis Police Department and the authorities down there have handled the situation so far? They got out in front of it, Jesse, and they charged, as you said, the uh, murder in the second degree, along with, you said, other felonies. We're talking about kidnapping, uh, as well as every possible crime they've been charged with. My understanding is that the DA is well-respected there. Uh, and that uh, the governor, along with uh, the mayor in that town, have worked well with the community. Okay, so we're waiting for about another 70 minutes till we get the release of the Tyree Nichols video. Uh, Talk about conspiracies and something weird going on. So let's go to the, this uh, footage here. So. Yeah, definitely don't want all of here. I definitely don't want all of here. Hello. So I think it's a great idea for police to wear body cams, right? Everybody behaves better when they're being videotaped. I behave better when I am being videotaped. Ooh. Twenty-six twenty, right? No, twenty-six forty. Oh, 40. Yeah, it literally said that. Hi, guys. how you doing? How are you? What's going on, man? So, yeah, this looks like a hostage video, and uh, also looks like Paul Pelosi might be intoxicated. Good. Hi. Hi. Drop the hammer. Um, nope. Hey, 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 hey. What is going on right now? Okay, so it's it's sad that the police didn't immediately take action, right? They saw a guy with a hammer, you know, right next to Paul Pelosi, and they just sat back and thought this was something consensual. Oh shit! What's going on, man? Everything's good. Okay, stop. Stop. Now, Paul Pelosi's just taken a step towards the police. There is no backing up yet. Um, and he steps towards the front door. It is so very clear that Paul Pelosi is not going to the door uh, unafraid and, uh, and on his own volition. He is not standing there holding the guy's hand because they're having a lover's twist. That's not what's going on. He's clearly being held hostage 
Now watch again. Hi. Drop the hammer. Um, nope. Stop. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Stop. You'll see here that this was another one of the controversies. It was said that they were both, um, first it was they were both in their underwear. Absolutely not true. Then they were both fully dressed. That's not true. The attacker is fully dressed, but Paul Pelosi is either wearing a shirt or a nightshirt and his boxer shorts. He looks like a guy who was woken up in the middle of the night. This again um, dissolves all of the crazy rumors that, you know, they were having a, you know, sex fest or whatever it was. This obviously appears to be exactly what they said it was. What is going on right now? There you go. And he's not walking away from his attacker. uh, I mean, toward his attacker. And that's what NBC News said, that he was backing up towards his attacker. No, he wasn't. He was backing up away from the front door to get away from his attacker. And I don't, I don't think I've seen something this brutal um, in a long time. I did not expect it to be as brutal as it, as it was. Why allow things to go on and ferment? Why, why do that? When you have such a clear open and shut case like this, if they would have released this within 24 hours, which, you know, they'll release body cam footage of George Floyd immediately, immediately. Anything our cops do wrong, immediate release. Why wasn't this released, especially when it could cause? OK, I agree with Glenn Beck that uh, the police made things worse by not releasing this and fighting against the release of this. So. Looks pretty clear that Paul Pelosi was in in a hostage situation. Uh, meanwhile, primary eyes tonight have got to be on Memphis. And you may recall that even during the George Floyd uh, riots, Memphis was relatively quiet. I, like everyone at this table, and I'm sure in America, is just kind of holding uh, uh, my breath, ho- hoping that it's not as bad. Uh, as they say it is. The truth is, we already know it's worse than Rodney King. Rodney King didn't die. Uh, but what we've got is a family here who's got a great deal of dignity saying, please don't destroy the city. But what I also know is that for the last several years in this country, there has been an effort to defund the police, not just. Okay, having a look at the chat, why is there a Zionist star on the screen? Because I am a Zionist. I am a convert to Orthodox Judaism, and I am a Zionist. A regular live says, weird, this is getting released the same day as the Memphis case of the five cops beating someone. It's an effort, it's a reality, to defund and demoralize the police. When Tim Scott came out with a police reform bill, nobody even wanted to read it. We talk about police training, and that's what's going to come out of this. They're going to be prosecuted as well they should if everything that's being said, it comes out to be the case. But we've got to recognize that just this past week, we talked about that uh, Atlanta public safety. They were trying to build a new building for training, and they... So this is now the number one show on Fox, right? This gets higher ratings than Tucker Carlson, higher ratings than Sean Hannity. 
So it's four conservatives and a liberal. Came Antifa, I don't know who it was, came out of the woods and started shooting at the police. We need more police training. We have to recognize that these cops are bringing shame on everyday cops who go out there and risk their lives. They're bringing shame on the community, and they're bringing shame on the black community as well. And that's not, that's not who we are. And so we've got to prepare to bring the toughest punishment, if indeed it is what we expect it to be. And as it relates to the issue of when is the best time to bring it out, I thought that a Monday morning at 8 o'clock might be the best time to let this out. So did I. But this is what they're saying, Jesse. They're saying that... People will be at work. Kids will be at school. Now people will be home. I understand they're ready to impose a curfew and to shut everything down. So maybe it's the right time. We'll see. Look, you need to penalize bad behavior. You need to disincentivize antisocial behavior. You need to put criminals in prison for a long time. All right. If you have you know robust police response and public you know, in general, supporting the thin blue line between us and utter anarchy, then I, I don't think we would have to be as frightened of you know mass riots and dislocation. Contrary, right. meaning it's out there in nature, and it's us to sort of in air quotes find it. So with pedophilia, there are three main uh, options or possibilities, I should say, for latent structure. It's a dimension, which means, <laughs> I'll say this, say this for very controversially, that means everybody in the room has some amount of sexual interest in children. That's what a latent dimension means. Um, some of us will have very little. Most of us will have very little. Then some people will have quite a bit of the sexual attraction to children. And uh, there are two main possibilities for a taxonic latent structure. One is dichotomous. So there are two taxa. People are pedophiles or they are not pedophiles, and that's it. Okay, so this tweet is trying to raise outrage that he was laughing, right, and trying to normalize pedophilia. I I think it's pretty clear this is a nervous laughter, right? This isn't a ha-ha, isn't pedophilia cool laughter. This is a nervous laughter with having uh, grappled with the twisted nature of, of human beings, that uh, we're, we're rarely pure. There's no variation. And then there's a third option, a trichotomous taxonic latent structure, uh, where there are actually three taxa. And I'm kind of burying the lead that, well, what are these three taxa, if that's, if that's the case? But that's the idea that there are three categories of people. Okay, it sounds absolutely bizarre when he says everyone has some sexual interest in children. I'm unaware of that. But he's also talking about at such a low level that if you've studied calculus, right, you can you can approach zero. You can approach infinity and you can approach zero. So for most people, it's a sexual level of interest at such a low level that it is effectively zero. So... Keep an eye here on uh, Fox. Keep an eye here on Memphis. Try to figure out what the hell's going on. We're, we're about an hour away now from, from the release of uh, this video. So what time is it now? 3.02. Okay, so we, we should have, have that video coming down.
this incident and he's expected to convene a security briefing meeting soon uh, to discuss further events and it remains a pretty uh, tense environment here given that this attack is one of the most serious and deadly uh, in Jerusalem and on Israelis in a number of years. And Alison, what kind of reaction have we seen so far to this shooting? I want to just tell you about what this might have all been associated with. Just 24 hours ago, nine Palestinians were shot and killed uh, in the West Bank city of Janine when the Israeli military raided Janine. Uh, after that raid, we did hear from militant groups, Palestinian militant groups, that there would be retaliation, and certainly that is the line of investigation police are looking at now. Uh, Although no group has specifically claimed responsibility yet, Hamas, the militant group that controls Gaza, has released a statement saying that it welcomes the attack and it comes as, as a natural response to the attacks against the Al-Aqsa Mosque and also the army raid in the Janine refugee camp yesterday. So that gives you a bit of an understanding of the situation. And we do know that in Gaza there have been thousands of people that have turned out on the streets in demonstrations celebrating this Israeli uh, shooting tonight here in Jerusalem in Palestinian areas including uh, close to here in the old city we have seen fireworks that have been let off as well. Uh, I think it's crucial to understand though that this is still a pretty evolving situation because uh, there will be reprisals if there is a group that claims responsibility for this attack and certainly uh, There'll be a tense few hours overnight as people across this region wait to see whether or not Israel will hit back against any of these Palestinian militant groups. Two people have died and at least two others are missing due to heavy flooding in New Zealand's largest city, prompting authorities to declare a state of emergency. Auckland's been hit by... Breaking tonight. Two major stories. Authorities in Memphis and other major cities are bracing for possible trouble with this evening's expected release of video showing what officials say is the murder of a motorist by five now former police officers. That story live from Memphis is coming up. But we begin tonight with our first look at video of last fall's attack on Paul Pelosi, husband of then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Its release came after legal action by this channel and others over objections of both prosecutors and the defense. We warn you, some of the images in these videos are disturbing. Senior correspondent Claudia Cowan has the video and the news tonight from San Francisco. Good evening, Claudia. Good evening to you, Brett. The attack on Paul Pelosi back in October drew national attention with inconsistent reports spawning questions and conspiracy theories. Now we're seeing the actual footage after media outlets, including Fox News, sued the district attorney's office and a judge granted that request. Hi. Drop the hammer. Um, nope. The brutal hammer attack on Paul Pelosi last October caught on multiple cameras. Not only by those warned by two San Francisco police officers who responded to Pelosi's 911 call about an intruder, a man Pelosi said he didn't know. This is San Francisco police. Do you need help? Oh, well, there's a gentleman uh, here just waiting for my wife to come back. 
Nancy Pelosi. But also by surveillance cameras monitored by U.S. Capitol Police. Footage that shows the defendant, 42-year-old David DePap, walking onto the property and smashing through a glass door. DePap told investigators he was looking for then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who was in Washington, D.C. at the time. I was going to basically hold her hostage and I was going to talk to her and basically tell her what I do. That police interview, the videos, and Paul Pelosi's 911 call all released after a judge rejected claims by the district attorney it could compromise security at the Pelosi's home and arguments by DePap's public defender that it could jeopardize his client's right to a fair trial. The judge ruled that since the material had been played in open court at DePap's preliminary hearing last month, the public should be able to see it too. Though Nancy Pelosi says she plans to stay away from all of it. I have not heard uh, the 911 call. I have not heard the confession. I have not seen the break-in. And I have absolutely no intention of seeing the deadly assault on my husband's life. She says her husband continues to heal and eventually Paul Pelosi will be called upon to testify as both a witness and as a victim. David DePap has pleaded not guilty to multiple felony charges in both state and federal court. He faces life in prison if he is convicted. Brett. Claudia Cowan live in San Francisco. Claudia, thank you. Police body cam images are expected later tonight in the case of a Memphis motorist allegedly beaten to death by policemen. Five officers have been fired and charged with the murder of Tyree Nichols. There are fears tonight of violent protests after that video comes out. We have Fox team coverage. Peter Ducey at the White House tells us what President Biden's team is saying and doing about the need for calm. First up, though, we head to Memphis. Correspondent Steve Harrigan is on the ground this evening. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Brett. A small, peaceful protest has already begun, and some store owners are boarding up their windows out of fear of violence ahead. Any of you who have children, please don't let them see it. Appalling, sickening, heinous. The words used by those who've seen the video of five former Memphis police officers beating 29-year-old Tyree Nichols. This is a failing of basic humanity toward another individual. The video is expected to be one hour long, largely unedited, except for some faces blurred out. It is expected to show the initial traffic stop, the first confrontation, which included pepper spraying and tasing, Nichols running, being captured, and then being beaten while restrained by multiple officers for three minutes, calling out for his mother. You have no clue how I feel right now. No clue. My brother's last words were screaming for my mom, and they didn't care. Again, the words of those who have seen it, beaten like a piñata, kicked like a football. The descriptions are of something not human. Then he is left slumped against a car, unattended, despite the arrival of fire department EMTs. He bleeds to death from his wounds in a hospital three days later. There is fear the tape could ignite violence beyond Memphis. I don't want us burning up our cities, tearing up the streets, because that's not what my son stood for. That call for calm has been echoed by the police chief, the mayor, the Tennessee governor, and President Biden. Memphis officials have moved swiftly, firing and arresting the officers, then charging all five with second-degree murder, kidnapping, and a range of other felonies, 
all before the video is released. We now have the blueprint, America, and we won't accept less going forward in the future. Those five former officers were all members of the Scorpions, an elite anti-crime unit. We, we had another mass shooting, several mass shootings in California, including in Half Moon Bay at a mushroom farm. And so there's a talk radio listener who writes, Are there any mushroom farms not staffed by cheap, illegal aliens? So most mushroom farms appear to be staffed by Hispanics in the country illegally. And then this California mushroom farm apparently using illegal Chinese. And so looking at uh, Twitter, Half Moon Bay shooting unmasked poor living conditions for farm workers. You know what would really improve living conditions for farm workers? Less immigration, right? When you allow millions of people to pour in here illegally, right, you're just setting up the, the conditions for them to be treated particularly badly. Okay, I want to cover this uh, attack in in Israel. Breaking tonight overseas, authorities in Israel say a Palestinian attack outside an East Jerusalem synagogue has left multiple people dead and four others injured. Officials say the gunman was neutralized. In their words, they are calling him a terrorist. Senior Foreign Affairs Correspondent Greg Palcott has our breaking report tonight. Good evening, Greg. Good evening, Brett. Yeah, tonight, uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is calling the incident one of the worst terror attacks Israel has known in recent years. Police there say a Palestinian gunman opened fire at the synagogue in East Jerusalem just as Friday night's Sabbath prayers were ending. At least seven were killed. Among the injured, a 70-year-old woman and a 14-year-old boy. The gunman drove off but was stopped nearby, then shot and killed by authorities. All this follows an Israeli Defense Force raid in the Janine refugee camp in the West Bank on Thursday. It led to a firefight which left nine Palestinians dead, another killed near Jerusalem. That triggered rockets from Gaza into southern Israel, Israeli airstrikes against Palestinian targets. In Gaza and the West Bank, there were celebrations tonight following the synagogue attack. Hamas and Islamic Jihad said the attack was a response to Thursday's killings but did not claim direct responsibility. Here is what White House spokesperson Corrine Jean-Pierre had to say. We also regret the loss of innocent lives and, injury, and injuries to civilians. Our administration has been closely engaged with the Israeli and Palestinian Authority on the recent violence and to urge de-escalation. Prime Minister Netanyahu, with security at the scene of the attack tonight, said his right-leaning government has already decided on a response. Well, to deal with some of the worst unrest there in a while, which Secretary of State Blinken will address during a trip to the region early next week when he will meet with Netanyahu and other Israeli and Palestinian officials. As the White House also noted, the attack comes on the International Holocaust Remembrance Day when those who were lost in the Holocaust will be... Okay, so you're never going to have peace in the Middle East or, or peace anywhere until usually you have some kind of decisive winner. So as long as... You've got, you know, up for grabs sovereignty in the Middle East, then you're just going to keep having war. One side needs to win overwhelmingly, and then finally, you might get some, some peace, peace. Right? Here's uh, Richard Spencer. What is Elon Musk doing? 
Twitter banning Nick Fuentes alt-right alt-right. Curious about what Elon's objective is and motive. Now, when people say that they truly believe in free speech and love free speech and so on, I start to get a bit skeptical. <laughs> and uh, as people know who are in my Substack group, where we have uh, two conversations uh, a week that last many hours, um, I, I've been hammering away at this, chiseling away to try to find the truth of what exactly is Elon's motivation. He's actually, he's, as you know, lost billions of dollars due to this acquisition. Um, what, what is he really about? And here are some data points. So Elon has not actually just let everyone in. In fact, he has engaged in rather subjective bannings of people. For instance, most notably and perhaps outlandishly, Yay, for, uh, formerly known as Kanye West, tweeted out this crazy flag from some strange cult in Israel, I believe. I had actually seen that flag before. Someone sent it to me as a joke. Um, and it's a Star of David with a swastika inside. Both are actually solar symbols, by the way, so it kind of makes sense in a weird way. But anyway, it's obviously outrageous. Uh, but it is by no means a call to violence. Or, I mean, I guess it's harassment, but it's harassment on such a kind of abstract level that uh, it, it just certainly does not um, violate any law in the United States. It might violate a law in Germany. It might violate a law in Israel. I don't know. But again, Elon, by his own words, says, you know, if it's legal, it's safe here. We, we, anything, almost anything goes um, within the bounds of the law. That's a fair perspective to have. But he obviously doesn't enforce that. He's also allowed on Andrew Anglin. Andrew Anglin is, uh, well, he's, I don't like him. He is totally outrageous, but maybe kind of in a fun way and sometimes, but kind of in a sick way most of the time, to be frank. Uh, he is free and clear. He's tweeting away. In fact, he tweeted, Elon, why don't you let, something to the effect of, Elon, why don't you let Nicholas Fuentes back on Twitter? Within 24 hours, Fuentes was back on. Fuentes then was expelled within 24 hours. <laughs> it was a very short trip back. Uh, I am sure that Nicholas Fuentes engaged in some outrageous talk. I, have, I, I did a cursory glance through the timeline and you know he was doing stuff on you know the alt light calls it the gae the globalist american empire but no it's zog and so on i'm i'm sure he's done things that many people find offensive and that are uh, you know outrageous maybe contain a kernel of truth but are overstated that are teenage edgelord stuff sure i bet he did that but again according to elon's own words this is exactly the kind of stuff that he wants to protect so why ban Fuentes? i have not seen anything to suggest that Fuentes was engaging in harassment. There's no possible way that he was organizing criminal activity in the 24 hours that he was on Twitter. I mean, it just, according to Elon's own words, there is no justification to ban him. So what is going on exactly? Um, this is one little dynamic that I would suggest. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I do think that Elon is trying to get the band back together. And he is, he saw what kind of was present to create 2016 and he is putting the pieces back together. It'd be very similar because Elon is, I mean, I think he's a fraud fundamentally and his businesses are mostly fraudulent. Uh, but I also think he's a, he's a nerd. I mean, this is someone, I just glanced at his timeline this morning. This is someone who literally watches Rick and Morty and thinks that that, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say. We ban bullying in schools. This is what we get. Um, but again, midwit opinion, very kind of depressing. Um, what, are, what other tastes does he like? He likes to put uh, neon lights and tubes that you can drive 20 miles per hour underneath Las Vegas and call that technological innovation. The guy's a fraud. Anyway, um, I do think he's trying to get the band back together and put things in place for another 2016. So it's very similar to you know a, a, an experiment that could be reproduced in a lab. 
Uh, so it's like, oh, look, we put hydrogen and oxygen together and then we lit a match. Boom, we got water. Okay, well, it's five years on or seven years on. Let's put hydrogen and oxygen in a tube and let's light a match again. See what happens. We'll get another Trump. Maybe DeSantis will become the Trump that we always wish for, et cetera. Well, I don't think that history is an experiment that you can perform in a lab. I think it is. it changes. It's ironic. You can't pull the same trick twice, et cetera, et cetera. So I think they're wrong, or rather, I think they're going to fail at what they're attempting. But I, I, that's at least what I get. My other sense is that back in 2018, I think all of these alt-light figures whom you know, nerd Elon is, fraud nerd, the fraud nerd Elon, is communicating with, like Ian Michael Chung and... Uh, Scott Adams, just this whole band of frauds and fake intellectuals and grifters or whatever. Um, they don't like Fuentes. And I think back in 2018, I think they actually really did like him. Um, and I think they saw him as a kind of replacement for me, to be honest, not to get too narcissistic here. But I think that's how they viewed him. He was like, he's innocent. He's an innocent kid. A lot of these people like innocence, I've noticed. They like someone who they can't, you couldn't say, well, he knows what he's doing and he's he's sinister. He has an agenda. He's their plans within plans. He's, you know, messaging something. I think they like this authentic American kind of like child preacher or something that, that Fuentes was to some degree. I don't think they like him anymore. And I think they view him as both a threat and as someone who kind of makes him, them look bad. Now, you know, to a degree, you could say that that's a compliment for, for Fuentes, that he's being radical and edgy and authentic. Now, I myself disagree with a great deal of what Fuentes puts out. I don't need to go into it. Um, a lot of it you can kind of chalk up to youth, uh, the, the anti-vax stuff. I, you know, I don't really want to go into it. I, I am not on board. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, but I do think he is more authentic and more, you know, willing to speak his truth regardless of the consequences than all these alt-light people. And Ye is also is viewed as a kind of problem for this Trump 2.0 redux that will probably involve Rick DeSantis, uh, Ron DeSantis, excuse me. And Ye is totally wild totally uncontrollable, you know, outrageous, but in his own way, very authentic. And it's a kind of competing online movement to the Trump 2.0, Ron DeSantis, lame nerd fraud objectives of Elon Musk and company. All right, there it is. That is kind of my take on everything. Um, I will allow some people in if you'd like. That was Richard uh, Spencer on Nick Fuentes returning to Twitter. And then within 24 hours, getting banned again. We have an interesting article in Mother Jones on Nick Fuentes. So he talks about Nick Fuentes talking to a crowd that's mostly white, mostly male, mostly under 30. And Nick says, our quality of life is being destroyed. Well, that's true. I just came back from Australia. All right. Quality of life in the United States has been destroyed in large part by massive amounts of immigration, including massive amounts of, you know, illegal immigration. Like, why can't we have nice things? Because too many people in our, in our society have no commitment to being pro-social. Right? To maintain a nice park, to maintain nice public facilities, you can't have, you know, criminals running loose. Right? So... That's that's the you know the primary obstacle to our quality of life is the high rates of crime and one of the most significant crimes is illegal immigration, and we also allow massive amounts of immigrants legally, which means that Americans have less and less in common with each other, which leads to people you know just sticking with their own tribe, 
which which makes everyone uncomfortable, right? I fly into LAX yesterday, and you start getting uncomfortable because half the population of Los Angeles, for example, doesn't speak English, right? So I came from Sydney, where three months in Australia didn't never once felt unsafe, uh, felt you know to be at zero threat of some criminal activity, and then fly into LAX and I take a bus and just so many unsavory characters. You know, homelessness, you know, drug abuse. All right. We do have a significant decline in the quality of life in this country, even compared to five years ago, compared to 20 years ago, compared to 30, 40 years ago. We had better quality of life overwhelmingly 50 years ago, 70 years ago, 80 years ago compared to now. But now we increasingly don't get to have nice things at public spaces because of largely you know, crime and other antisocial behavior. Right, so Nick Fuentes says they want us to live in smaller houses. They want us to eat less food, take up less space, have less health care, have fewer children. They want us to eat crickets. I'm not going to eat bugs. All right, so this is hyperbolic. From Father Coughlin to Donald Trump, demagogues of long commingled racist and anti-Semitic appeals with fears of economic decline. Okay, so calling these people demagogues is is a moral judgment, all right? I, I'm not sure it's useful that uh, Father Coughlin, Donald Trump, Nick Fuentes have appeal. It's because they respond to how people are experiencing life. Right, Father Coughlin, Donald Trump, Nick Fuentes have not turned people into racists and anti-Semites, right? They are speaking to the very real concerns of many regular Americans we're enduring a declining quality of life. So Mother Jones is just way off here. Nick Fuentes' power comes from layering on a generational critique that taps into younger people's apprehension that their prospects are dimming. No, that's not Nick Fuentes' power. Nick Fuentes' power is that he can just talk, just a river of words can just pour out of him in an entertaining way. And he can talk particularly to gamers Right, he has that that gamer 4chan lingo down, and he's funny. He, he's charismatic. He's alive. He, people get energized when they watch him. So his power doesn't come from layering on a generational critique that taps into younger people's apprehension that their prospects are dimming. His power comes from he's responding to how people experience reality, and he's giving explanations that make sense to tens of thousands of people. Decades of wage stagnation. And why do we have wage stagnation, right? We have wage stagnation because of massive amounts of immigration, right? Your country gets to decide its wage rates by deciding how many immigrants to let into the country. More immigrants, lower wage rates. Australia has pretty good wages for the average bloke because it's fairly selective with the immigrants that it allows in, right? Growing income inequality. Again, you let in a large number of immigrants from all over the world, you're going to have more income inequality. A housing crisis, again, relating to immigration. So how many times you know, does, this, uh, does, this, does this article reference immigration? Let's just have a look. Not once, right? All these problems. Declining quality of life, decades of wage stagnation, diminishing prospects for regular... 100 IQ Americans and lower, growing income inequality, housing crisis, all these problems come from 
massive amounts of immigration and would be reduced by reducing immigration. Productivity gains flow mostly to upper management and investors. Yes, but under Donald Trump, we finally got immigration under control. And for the first time in 50 years, we had substantial wage growth by the least educated. The ranks of democratic socialists have grown as a result, but not every young person is drawn to the left. Well, democratic socialists are also appealing to people in reality, how they are experiencing the world, and they're tapping into very real concerns. So it's not like democratic socialists are just demagogues or Nick Fuentes is just demagogue. These are people who are tapping into real concerns. Nick Fuentes is one of the few figures on the right who directly speak to new generations anxious about the decline in the middle class and wondering what to do about it. Is he really one of the few figures? I mean, Tucker Carlson does too. By combining class and economic precarity with white nationalism. I think uh, Nick Fuentes appeals to a vision of 1950s America and an understanding of the quality of life in America has been steadily declining. Fuentes makes racism even more persuasive to a certain kind of person. Nick Fuentes isn't turning people into racists. He's responding to people who already have a realistic understanding of group differences. This brew has helped fuel his meteoric rise from fringe YouTube star to Mar-a-Lago guest becoming heir apparent to the American white nationalist throne. Okay, Nick Fuentes is not a white nationalist like we've seen before. I, I don't think it's even accurate to call him a white nationalist. And it's not this brew that has fueled his meteoric rise. This brew that's fueled his meteoric rise is his facility with language. Right? He speaks very easily, fluidly, in a compelling and entertaining and funny manner. And so he taps into a reality that the American quality of life is d- diminishing in large part due to immigration. So that's where uh, Nick is is getting so much of uh, his support. All right, let's get a little bit more here from Richard Spencer. And am, I, am I behind it? Now, I don't think Elon is just a Peter Pan type figure, although maybe there's an element of that to his personality. But I, I do think that there's some kind of objective that we can grasp by analyzing his actions. And I have just said what I think it is. All right, guys. Again, I want to keep this fairly quick. I'll just let everyone in. And if you don't mind. Um, yeah, this is MySpace. And so a dark Brandon fan. Do you have a question? Yes, I apologize, Richard. I didn't mean to interrupt. No uh, so, I, so I have to say, to be honest, I've been critical of you in the past. I'm still uh, not a huge fan of you, but I, I want to, because I have a theory about Elon. I'd like your thoughts on it after, your, after hearing what you've said so far. So okay. I have a feeling that the next time Democrats have a trifecta in Washington, it's like a secure trifecta. I'm thinking like, I don't know, 53 senators and 230 house seats in the presidency. I feel like he's going to go straight back to kissing their asses. Like he's kissing like Republicans' asses right now because he thinks like they're right. the big thing. There's a powerful thing. But I don't know. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. That's my theory anyway. I, I think that that is absolutely true. I mean, look, Tesla and remember Solar City, his business. Yeah, Elon Musk isn't inherently right or left. It depends on the situation. Right now, Elon apparently aligns more with the right. That, that could change in a month. That is now non-existent. All of this was based on massive government subsidies. And I didn't follow Elon Musk intently until about the last, say, nine months or so. And if, if someone were to ask me who is Elon Musk, I probably would say, well, he's, he's a tech entrepreneur, kind of, you know, kind, kind of a bit of a liberal or leftist, you know, I mean, that, that was my impression of him. Now, again, I wasn't researching him with much vigor, but, you know, that was my impression. There seems to have been a massive flip, and there does seem to be this kind of like grasping for a new audience where he's just saying what people want to hear. 
And I, I, I always, I sniff that out. You know, I mean, there's just something, I mean, everything about it, just like his overestimation of the Twitter files and saying that like, this is a free speech violation. And like, I saw something this morning where he was, there was, I think it was Scott Adams or something. And he's like, well, you know, we're just back to the old algorithm again with Elon, what gives? And he's like, I'll investigate. So he's, it's like, you're the CEO of Twitter. You're obviously making decisions that are purely subjective, like banning yet, purely subjective, as you admit yourself, or this, you can't post publicly available data on flights, just purely personal decisions based on your own like grievances and fragility. <laughs> and so I, I don't know, he's like playing to them as if he's not in control of Twitter or something. And he's like, you know, it's just this weird thing because conservatives, particularly recent conservatives, they really like this like deep state and like under uncovering a scandal and all this kind of stuff. And he's just kind of playing a tune that they they're dancing to. And it just strikes me as, you know, kind of sociopathic behavior, to be honest, manipulative behavior at the very least. And so, yeah, I mean, let's a trifecta. Let's say Biden wins again or uh, I don't know what other Democrats are out there. But, yeah, Biden wins and then the they, they secure the Senate and then they get a new speaker with Democrats as the trifecta. I, I could see him going back to his old ways. But OK, the Paul Pelosi video was released about uh, three hours ago. So and back up country. Let, me, let me play a little All bit of it here. Yeah. Fucking said. 2620, right? No, 2640. Oh, 40. Yeah, it literally said that. Hi. Hey How you doing? How are you? What's going on, man? Everything's good. Hi. Drop the hammer. Um, nope. Hey, 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 hey. What is Pardon going on right now? I'm not getting an answer on call. Oh, 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 shit. Okay, and we are about 30 minutes away from the release of the Tyree Nichols video. I don't think it's going to work because it's gone down a bit, but let's say like a month ago or two months ago, Elon had just almost replaced Trump as the right-wing figure, like figurehead, the, 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 the uh, what is that, um, opera, Rienzi, opera by Wagner, the Rienzi, the Tribune of the... So most people would like to lead all right everyone thinks they can act everyone thinks they can be a radio talk show host you know everyone thinks they could be a politician and so elon musk is seizing his moment to lead though though or come <laughs> at the apparent price of uh, billions and billions of dollars so far th those are the losses that he's taking right, let's get some more commentary here from richard spencer and company of the conservatives and I think it's kind of gone down a bit. That's where he was. And Trump had faded, and et cetera. And so I don't think you can just keep going back and forth on these types of things. Uh, liberals see through it and they have long memories. So I don't, I don't know, but I, I think you were right, actually. All right, you have one more thing and then I'll, I'll move on to someone else. Yeah, no, so I was just going to say, like, uh, another thing I keep thinking of was, like, I remember reading a study a while ago, sorry, uh, uh, that said, like, something like 70% of Teslas were sold in Washington, Oregon, California, and New York, and I think the California state government gave something like $10 billion of subsidies, not $10 billion, but, like, a significant amount of subsidies for Tesla, so I'm just thinking, like, what's he going to do when, Cal when Newsom and the California Democrats decide, you know what, we're kind of done with these subsidies, and we're going to tax the hell out of all the gigafactories in Fremont and San Diego, you know, like, what's he going to yeah. do at that point? Exactly. Or what, what is he going to do once they start subsidizing some other manufacturer? Because it's the power of the brand. And Tesla did create a brand. If you, if you own a Tesla, you're an early. Which I just want to say uh, briefly, like speaking of other states doing it, Michigan now has a Dem trifecta and all the automakers are based in Michigan. Just want to throw that out there. Sorry. Right. And remember, 
the Michigan automakers, whatever you want to say about them, they are on the, the EV train. I mean, Ford, remember the Cybertruck thing they were all waiting for, you know, announced in 2017 and all this kind of stuff, like typical Elon just lies. Um, Ford has already put out an electric pickup that has all the same specs. It's not as cool, not nearly as cool. But yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see it. I think, you know, brand is very important. I mean, you know, like owning an Apple computer, it's like, wow, that's a super brand. You know, it's like it says something about you or you, you, uh, you drive a Mercedes or you own a Rolex or a Patek Philippe or you have a Cartier earrings. Or, you, you get it. It's, it's the brand. It says something about you. And it's not just like you're not just buying, you know, you're not going to the grocery store and saying. Okay, let's get back to this uh, Mother Jones article. Keep an eye on the Tyree Nichols video release. So Mother Jones profiling Nick Fuentes. Fuentes is known for his charisma and like some of his right wing Internet peers like Ben Shapiro and Tim Poole speak in monotones and try their hardest to present as intellectuals. So I had big trouble speaking in a monotone for almost all of my life because I had what my voice teacher would eventually call Kermit the Frog voice. So my voice would be down here. And so by taking voice lessons about three years ago, I learned to project from the top of my throat. So listen to the difference. So I'll count to five in my old voice. One, two, three, four, five. Right, that's the old voice. Then moving the resonating point as high up in the back of my throat as possible. One, two, three, four, five. So this new way of speaking takes a lot more energy, but it's effortless then to project and it doesn't strain my throat. So it's true. Tim Pearl, Ben Shapiro, they do speak in monotone. And I had that problem almost all my life. Uh, does Tim Pearl try to present as an intellectual? Ben Shapiro does. Neither of them very convincingly. I mean, obviously, Ben Shapiro, Tim Pearl, Nick Fuentes, they're all talking primarily to a, a crowd with an average IQ what, around 105. Nick Fuentes prefers to grandstand while working to provoke and engage. He talks about, and he just talks like a young kid who's a gamer. Another major component of Nick Fuentes' appeal is that he provides logically consistent, albeit atrocious, answers to the contradictions of modern conservatism. Well, he's a realist, and he does have a lot of simple answers, and he does have a coherent worldview. It doesn't mean it's an accurate worldview, but he does have a coherent kind of pre-World War II Christian-based worldview. His arguments have a way of ripping open muddled beliefs advanced by mainstream conservatives. Take their grievance against woke capitalism. So Mother Jones says woke capitalism means businesses responding to consumer expectations in a manner that bolsters the bottom line. Right. That's, that's ridiculous. Woke capitalism means that we acknowledge that there are sacred groups such as women, blacks, gays, Jews, homosexuals, transgendered who need to be immune from criticism. So, woke capitalism, a complaint that flies in the face of the free market worship that is core to mainstream figures on the right. Yeah, so with paleoconservatives and nationalists, there are things that are more important than the free market, right? Such as the health of your people. Nick Fuentes circumvents this contradiction by just never defending capitalism. Unlike many elected Republicans, he does not argue against diversity while claiming he isn't racist. He openly argues against diversity is bad because his belief in the inferiority of non-white races. That's not true, not accurate, right? He wouldn't say that uh, you know, Asians you know, have lower IQs than whites, that they have less family solidarity, that they earn less money. He wouldn't you know, deny that the blacks have many gifts that uh, whites and Latinos and Asians don't. He's simply a realist and believes in the accuracy of group stereotypes. 
There is a right-wing belief that involves obfuscating and unsavory motivation. Nick Fuentes is open about it. He speaks to the people who don't mind saying everything out loud. Yeah, so Nick speaks in a way that many conservatives speak when they're not in public. You know, oh, look, these eggs, these are just like the other eggs and they're 50 cents cheaper. I'm going to buy them. It's, it's not like that. It's, it's this, you know, like you buy into the brand and Tesla was able to do that. And then, then Elon has just ruined it because these guys, these like conservative people on Twitter who now love him and are fanning his balls, they're not going to. Okay, I got to figure out who's this bloke on Australian TV right now. About 90, 95%. Is there a magic number that you think gets us to herd immunity from COVID? Well, the reasons we can have that discussion about herd immunity and measles, which, as you rightly point out, is well over 90%, is because the virus is fairly stable in its genome. It doesn't undergo a lot of variation. Unfortunately, um, we were kind of hoping that was going to be true with COVID-19 when we saw the original lineage then the alpha and then, uh, and then delta. Yes, there were changes, but they were modest in, in scope. And, and as a consequence, you know, the, the... Okay, so the people who are usually most accurate, most profound, most wise are not usually going to be the most compelling speakers, the most charismatic individuals. So this guy talks like a serious scientist. I have no expertise to evaluate what he's saying, but this is what expertise usually looks like. The, the immunity built up against the original lineage was directly applicable to Alpha and Delta. Not right. Academics don't tend to be great live streamers. They're not charismatic. You know, they're not going to you know blow blow your mind with their hot takes. They're just careful and uh, and plotting. So not as much fun as you know the Nick Fuentes, you know Richard Spencer or you know the the equivalents on the left right because for for academics their the primary goal is prestige among their peers which means adhering to certain very strict protocols so much with omicron and these subvariants they're switching up so much that for instance even if you've been infected with omicron in the past and a lot of people globally were back in december of last year and into january of this year that's unless you've been vaccinated on top of it that is not providing you much protection against ba5 reinfection so that really throws out all the ideas of, of herd immunity and and of course herd immunity was a concept that was weaponized by a lot of people trying to downplay the the pandemic and they were coming up with crazy numbers like 20 percent or 40 percent it was never true and it's and unfortunately it's not true now so i think we have to partly discard the concepts of herd immunity. Dr. Peter Hotez, thank you very much indeed for your time. Okay, so if you ever encounter a live streamer or a public speaker who's just incredibly charismatic, incredibly gifted with words, you know, incredibly compelling, and they emotionally move you consistently, they are probably not particular about facts. They're probably giving you a cartoon version of reality. So you want a real perspective on reality? It sounds like that that droning virologist there from from Baylor University. That's what expertise sounds buy like. Buy a Tesla. You know? They're probably they're probably not going to even buy an electric vehicle because that's like liberal or whatever. So it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I think the guy is going down. Anyway, I'm going to move on. But thanks for your comments and questions. Uh, okay, mighty. Hey man, thanks, Richard. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, fifty-two-year-old San Francisco native here. Yet I'm as socially conservative, as socially conservative as you can imagine, because of my Roman Catholic background. That's important for co oh, context. You're a veritable, you're a veritable 
dirty hair. Yeah, but it's my but Marshall. it's my city, San Francisco here, right? So Richard, <laughs> I think I'm eight years your senior, so respect your elders. And uh -huh. I admired yeah, okay. you were born in seventy eight, right? Because I, I remember yes. I remember looking you up. I admired what you were trying to do. You were trying to stand up as young Nick, and even Ye is saying uh, trying to stand up for the European American founding uh, demographic here, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the UK. I mean, uh, and you know, you were shut down because so many people were just asleep and it's getting better, but uh, it's unfortunate, but I really think that uh, the ADL is the cause of all of this. They must have threatened Elon again. You're telling the truth about you're allowing Nick to tell the truth about Jewish power. And if this doesn't happen, we will be digitally enslaved with multiple required vaccines on the schedule yearly or maybe seasonally. There will be new pandemics released um, and you will literally be debanked if you think. OK, I think that's a little extreme, but I want to elucidate more. So the primary way to captivate someone's attention as a speaker, including being a live streamer, a radio talk show host, someone, a circuit speaker on relationships or on religion or on multi-level marketing is to affect people's emotions. You've got to move people emotionally. And the easiest way to move people is to tap into their sense of outrage that they're being victimized like that, that speaker just was to Richard Spencer. So radio talk show hosts in politics have a formula. The formula is, you know, the elites are screwing you over. Right, the system is screwing you over. I'm here fighting for you, the little guy. Now I'm fighting on your behalf. I will fight for you and I will win for you. All right. That that's a winning formula for political talk radio. So turning victimization up from a two to a five to a ten. And it's healthy to have a mild chip on your shoulder because it gives you in group solidarity and clarity about who's your in group, who are your enemies. But if you walk around with sense of victimhood and resentment at a five or a 10, that's not usually effective for a life. But our, you know, these charismatic speakers, they really care about what's primarily effective for you. No, they want to you know, make as much money as possible, accumulate as much power as possible, develop as large a following as possible. And the easiest, the primary way to do this is to move people emotionally, such as appeal to their sense of victimhood and then get people outraged and then get people feeling happy and then get people in touch with their sadness and just take them on an emotional roller coaster. I remember I've been a big Dennis Prager fan starting in about 1988 when I went to UCLA. And then I noticed once he got a daily talk show host, so I used to just listen to him on the weekends and he was just quite thought provoking. But once he got a daily show, I noticed that I always ended listening to his show like much angrier than before I started listening to his show. And that's the way to grab a regular audience is to wind them up, get them outraged, appeal to their sense of victimhood. So I'm not sure that Rush Limbaugh was as intensely producing of anger because there was just a higher entertainment factor with, with Rush Limbaugh, say, compared to Dennis Prager. And Rush had much more of an ability to laugh at himself while, while Dennis comes across very pompous. So... It doesn't have to be that uh, listening to political talk radio makes you angry. But good people make you feel good. Bad people make you feel bad. If any live streamer, any public speaker, any rabbi, preacher, radio talk show host is consistently leaving you in a state you know, more angry than you were before you were listening to them, they are bad for you. So it's a winning formula for them and their station. All right. It's, it's bad for you. Right. Walking around with a sense of um, victimhood at like a two out of ten. Yeah, that probably works, but not a ten out of ten. Take a listen. 
we have spent so much of our munitions down, so much of our military-grade equipment down, that if we have to fight a war against China, which I think is far more likely, and frankly, it's a far more dangerous opponent, that's what worries me, is that the, the focus on Russia comes at the expense of China, where, unfortunately, we cannot fight two enemies at once. Can you address that? No, he, he needs to get some briefings, and he's a, a new senator. But the fact of the matter is, if the Ukrainians can defeat the Russians inside of Ukraine, and we stop the Russian aggression right there, and they're not going to encroach on NATO, that is going to be a huge deterrence in dealing with China. If Russia wins eventually and outlasts us, the United States and Europe, with all of our money and all of our power, that is going to encourage the Chinese. And the senator has got to come to grips with, with that reality. And the and, tank And on story? the tank issue, I don't know what they're talking about. There's a couple thousand plus tanks in the hands of our troops. There's actually a few thousand tanks that are in what we call Army preposition storage sites. There's seven of them, two of them in the United States, five around the world. Tyranny of distance, we figured out, is a problem. We move troops by air, but we have to move tanks and other equipment like that by sea. So we preposition this equipment, two of them in, in Europe, they've got them in Asia, we have them in the Middle East. And there's a big one in Germany that's got hundreds of tanks so, in storage, right. all right? So we can go get them. General, as always, thank you. Yeah, take care, Brett. Up next, the Friday lightning round, police body cam videos, potential violence in Memphis, plus the classified document scandal, and oh yeah, winners and losers later will Okay, we'll keep an eye on the police body cam footage release coming out of Memphis. Like I do, politically, so... Well, that, that doesn't matter, Nick. And what I've heard, I, I've not heard this, I don't have any information like on this, but what I've heard is that Nick has suffered seriously banking and stuff like that. I mean, he's kind of the bete noir du jour. And uh, that is a really difficult place to be in. Um, so that might, it might be the case that there was just a phone call made to Elon and he, he said, okay. But I'm wondering, at least what I'm suggesting is that there's, there's a kind of another dynamic to this. Because again, Elon has promoted all of the alt-light grifter sphere, many of whom, maybe even most of them, but, but many of whom were uh, kicked off Twitter over the course of 2020 through 2020. Well, promoted maybe a little strong. He's allowed a lot of people their, their free speech back. All right, here's uh, Douglas Murray. Of course, we must accept that he has a gender dysphoria diagnosis. That's indisputable. Um, but, you know, calling him a trans MP, I don't think he's yet a trans MP. But, of course, when he is, you know, I will absolutely accept and praise that. Okay, great. Douglas Murray, again, a very skilled polemicist, very skilled at moving people's emotions, right? Knows how to play the game. And he's really trying to pump them up. And I think banning Nick almost serves that end. I, I wouldn't say that in 2018. I, I think at that point, those same people were kind of pro-Nick, but I think they've turned. Yeah, I, I, and so I think there's another kind of intra-right wing dynamic. I agree. But I think Nick, you know, he's getting shut down just like, <laughs> yay, because he's the only one that is your Sam for a dozen years and saying, okay, well, how we got to the virtual. Yes. So I joined your space in the middle of it, so maybe you already said it, but I just want to reinforce um, a common and well-known argument that uh, there's no such thing as free speech uh, by itself. It's quite an oxymoron, really, uh, meaning that, okay, you have Elon, and I think he's somehow kind of trying to 
serve both sides. But given the polarized nature of the society and, and the, the internet space as well, he's just standing in the crossroads and, and getting pummeled by both sides, really. I mean, and, and to serve an example, you had these uh, Gab and, and, and Parler and such, and those who were claimed as spaces of, of free speech and whatnot, and those just failed miserably, you know. So, I mean, those, yeah, yeah. he's in the worst position to be in. So either you serve, will try to serve uh, Trump, and, and that's and that the side of, of a political space. Ah, we were born to live tribally, right? We were born to, you know, have certain people in our corner and, you know, we're, we're wired to, you know, live in a tribal way. So, you know, trying to appeal to everyone is not really how we're, we're just evolved, right? We're, we're evolved to, you know, have our certain in-group, you know, for whom we, we uh, bestow our primary loyalties, right? I, I just can't imagine life without an in-group where you feel safe and where you have meaning that is generated for you, a hero system that is reproduced for you so that by partaking in the rituals and the practices and, and the beliefs of the group, you, you get to feel like you're part of something that transcends yourself and therefore your life is not insignificant. Spectrum or the people who comment on the Trump's Twitter account, you know, it's either or. And I think at least in the, in the beginning, he tried to, 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 to serve both of them somehow, but that failed miserably. So let's see how it goes. Yes. Yeah, some good comments there. I, I agree with most of what you said. Um, all right. I am just going to fly through a lot of these. So um, sex neat, CX neat. Yeah, hello. Um, uh, I had a question about your like conferences about this year, because I heard you mention it in the past. Vaguely. Well, it's too late to join, so it's just private stuff. Okay, uh, if I could have a second question, since that was pretty quick. Um, sure. What's uh, vaguely like? What's your religious project uh, going to look like in the future? Because I don't really understand it that much. Aside from the fact, obviously, it's a uh, um, you know uh, you know Apollo from Nietzsche's philosophy and like the Roman pagan cult itself, but kind of secularizes some capacity. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, it's not just like a Nietzsche religion. I would say that. I mean, I, I think if Nietzsche ever in, in his time, if he ever wanted to start a religion, he might very well have uh, worshipped. So a lot of people found out that they can't, you know, pay the price that comes with, you know, advocating neo-Nazi or alt-right or, you know, far-right politics. And so they adjust, play a savvier game like, like Nick Fuentes. So he embraces Christ is king and kind of a pre-World War II type of, you know, traditional Christianity. Uh, Richard Spencer, he's not willing to pay the price for openly stating his political beliefs. So he is, you know, wrapping himself up in creating a new religion that's much more socially acceptable. It's very hard to buck society, all right? We all live in a society, and people just get worn down. Any type of uproar, we do not want any type of disturbance. We want peaceful protests. The president has not, uh, he's been brief, but he has not seen the video, uh, nor has anyone at the White House seen the video. And we understand the outrage uh, people have currently uh, and uh, how hurt and painful this is, but violence is unacceptable. Well, Memphis and other cities are on edge tonight as this body cam video is set to be released in about 10 minutes. It's roughly an hour long, uh, and it deals with these five police officers in Memphis who have since been fired, allegedly beating to death uh, this motorist. And he is going to be, uh, his family is calling for peace. Uh, let's bring in our panel, Fox News senior political analyst Juan Williams, Vince Colnes, he, he's a WMAL Washington talk 
radio host and editorial director of the Daily Caller and Fox News chief, chief legal correspondent, anchor of Fox News Sunday, Shannon Bream. Shannon. Uh... Okay, I don't care what they have to say, but this idea that Tyree Nichols was just a motorist, like Rodney King, he was routinely called a motorist, just like uh, that young black man in Georgia who was suspected of committing all sorts of crimes. He was just called a jogger. Right? If these men had just been motoring and joggering around, jogging around, they wouldn't have gotten into trouble. Right? These are people who are doing a lot of horrible things. Therefore, they have more interactions with the police, and you really don't want to have confrontational interactions with people who have guns. Police have guns. You want to treat anyone with a gun very respectfully. And so when you refuse arrest, when you behave disrespectfully towards people with guns, you multiply your chances of being treated badly. So Tyree Nichols and Rodney King weren't motorists, right? They were longtime criminals who behaved in an antisocial you know, and dangerous way. And that brought them into a dangerous situation where they finally ticked off some people who inflicted genuine harm, even death. Dionysus, um, that's not what we're doing. So it is an attempt to uh, revive Roman religion. And it also, I, I think, has a, an analytic critical capacity, which is extremely important to it. And it's analyzing the, say, meaning, messaging, and, and symbology of the Abrahamic faiths. And um, so, yeah, it is, you could say it's very secular and down to earth. It's, it's for serious people. It's, um, it's not LARPy. There's no going into the woods and running around bonfires or whatever. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it's, we're starting in a, a very interesting place and in a, in a very intellectual place. But it is ultimately about spirituality. And um, so, yeah, I hope that suffices. I will. I have another question. Like, how do you see that to like succeeding on a mass scale? If that's even your goal, or if you just like want a very small group of people that are, I guess, intelligent and capable. That we want a small group of people who are intelligent and capable. Okay. Um, I, I, we were not. You know, for instance, one of the most fascinating religious revivals of our lifetime has been QAnon, which is kind of structurally Christian, you could say. It definitely Manichaean, and it spread like wildfire, and it burned itself out, much like a wildfire, and it was dumb and false and didn't it, it alienated intelligent capable people in fact so we want to do the opposite of that okay um so i will go to kara kara belt 737 thank you for your comments by the way hey how's it going richard how are you hey doing well great great uh, first off so i was listening to what you were saying my question is why would he bring them back in the first place and then just ban them? Like, he, does he not know who they are, what they say? Like, what did he expect? I mean, if he's bringing, let's say, Ali or Nicholas Fuentes, he's bringing them back on Twitter, you know, and, and Brian Dawson, all these individuals. And then, phew, I mean, they, they haven't been banned. But why Nicholas Fuentes? Like, it's just strange. Like, it's just, I do you think it's... Like... Okay, let's uh, go here to Fox. Commentary on. I have never heard of a situation where you have a person who needs protection, where if the person leaves his or her home, police okay, to today shannon and that is this video we play it full sound here just a piece of it uh of paul pelosi and this attack horrific i don't understand even as in a city the size of san francisco you know if you're the police department and you have the speaker of the house living in your jurisdiction yeah you have to know that i have never heard of a situation where you have a person who needs protection where if the person leaves his or her home that they don't keep an eyeball on the home because the home is vulnerable whether the person is there sure. or not. 
And we can see this video. We'll roll the, the video of the actual body cam going to the door. Um, your thoughts on this? These are the stills. Mm -hmm. Andy raises so many good questions that we're left with after seeing this, but it's one thing to read a police report. It's another thing to actually watch this. I think it hits you in a completely different way to see just how much danger Paul Pelosi was in and how he tried to masterfully defuse the situation, hearing the 911 call, trying to give hints, trying to keep, you know, this. Okay, keeping an eye on Memphis, waiting for the release. It's supposed to be absolutely horrific of the body cam footage from the five police who beat a man like to death. Like four or five years ago, you could plausibly say, well, he has no earthly idea who Fuentes is. And he's, you know, at this point, Fuentes has been, he's had headlines in every major newspaper. He's, he knows who Fuentes is at this point, or he should. So I, it does raise questions. And, you know, someone else suggested that it was merely a matter of the ADL getting pissed or something. Perhaps, again, we don't, we, we have, they have reason to be like that. Whether that's the answer, we don't know. Um, there might, it might have something to do, I mean, with J6. I mean, the fact that, Fuentes and Ali were banned at the same time. I mean, they were deeply involved in Stop the Steal. And so maybe it has a law enforcement component to it. Maybe it's just Elon being, like, scatterbrained, you know? I mean, we just don't right. know. Like, and you, can, do you, you, can, you can speculate, though. I mean, you know, so long as it's reasonable. I mean, do you think he actually violated? I don't because I'll tell you the rules. I know a lot of people mention this. They are really like they're they're unclear. You know, I've been suspended off. You know, for saying uh, certain like for commenting like uh, the F word. Not you know not the the you know the 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 gay one and. Uh -huh. Yeah, I just, I mean, he, on the space, I don't know if you heard, I, I think you were on it for a little bit, on the Nick Fuentes space, he said that yeah, a few times. On, oh, God, did he? Oh, yeah, he did. Okay. Not, not well, without, the, without the hard R, but he said it. And, well, you know. Okay. That, you know, you're kind of asking to get banned at that point. Right. So I was just, I, mean, one, I, I was like, I, I would yeah, go defend, ahead. I mean, look, you know, look, every social media, social media network can do whatever they fucking want, of course. But <laughs> it's like, you get to a point with Twitter where, in my opinion, it is the most important social network. And despite the fact that I think it only has 220 million users, it's the most relevant because it's the most public. And it's the one that gets quoted in newspapers. It's what, you know, when was the last time you heard someone say, Trump Snapchatted the, this, the other? No one's ever read that or said that. It's all about he tweeted. And because it's public, it's not, it, it doesn't have any other intention, the network that is other than like public status updates and comments and microblogging, et cetera. So it is, in my opinion, the heartbeat of the internet. And if, you, if you're banned from Twitter, you kind of aren't alive on some level. I mean, I, it's just true. Um, so yeah, I think at some point, like I, I agree with Elon Musk's kind of stated goal. I don't think there is an absolute right to free speech, of course. But you just recognize the fact that we live in 2023 in a kind of digital world, and you're going to have to put up with some outlandish speech if you're going to have good speech. I mean, that, I think that's just a fair, reasonable thing. Um, I think, Nick, I did not know about dropping some N-bombs Oh, yeah. Hard, hard as soon as he not. said that, I was like, but, yeah, it's know, a wrap. That sounds a bit suicidal, I have to say, is what you're saying is true. I jumped onto the space at the very end. I, I jumped on at the end at, um, while Nick was just – I was curious, of course, what he was doing, and there were tons of people there. And, he mentioned uh, you, actually. Oh, okay, good. Um, but he, uh, he seemed to be winding down once I got on. You know, whatever. But, uh, again, I, I, would ultimately, I would ultimately want their you, – you have the right to be outrageous and outlandish on some level. This is America. And, you know, just banning him – I, you know, again, you're using these words. You can just avoid using these words. It's not too hard. But nevertheless, I don't. I think that is that should be speech that should be allowed. You know, Ye's weird Raelian flag or whatever that should be allowed. I'm sorry. You know. Yeah, I agree. Do you think Elon is a net positive with the Twitter purchase overall, or in a negative, or ah. the same? It's a mixed bag, and I, I'm kind of ambivalent about it because I, I, I generally agree with like the stated motive, but I feel like Elon's such a fraud. He's, he's just the wrong person to be doing this. I, I mm. know, you know, it's like 
wouldn't it be better if some like genuine free speech liberal did this? And so he's, you know, he or she is not like banning people for posting like white data that is in the public domain. I mean, that, that is just there is no argument against or, or for banning th- those accounts that did white data. I'm sorry. That's public information, you know, and I, I, just, I, I just I wish, you know, wouldn't it be better if like some liberal who, gen- you know, who kind of had credibility, like doesn't Elon recognize that when you're like reposting Kim.com and Ian Michael Chang? you just look like a fucking idiot and <laughs> yeah. you look like you're just a, you're a bad actor who has all these motives. You know, I mean, it's just the guy, again, I knew little, little about him, but my impression of him was generally positive say a year ago. And the more I research him and I look at his companies, I just, I'm like, we're dealing with Elizabeth Holmes writ large here. That's my impression. I think his companies are fraudulent. Really? Yes, absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. So I am not a fan. But again, I agree with that stated premise. I mean, look, it's in my it's in my interest because the you know the ADL is going much harder after Nick than they are going after me. Nick is the bête noire du jour, no question. And I'm kind of a little. I'm kind of the spotlight's on him, and I'm I'm kind of in the shadows. And I have unusual opinions. I think it's a little bit harder for people to like peg me. Um, but nevertheless, it's in my interest to for there to be someone who like genuinely and generally supports free speech. You know, it's kind of like. You have the right to say you have the right to like say I agree with the Unabomber or something. <laughs> you know, again, I don't, but you know what I mean. You have the right to be a little outrageous. If we're going to have free speech, we're going to have some outrageous speech. And right. That that just seems like reasonable to me. But it's just what what if like an AOC type had been put in charge of Twitter, and so she had this like cred with the left, and then she was really pro for free speech. And just saying, like, you might not like it. You don't have the right to harass someone. You don't have the right to engage in illegal activity. But you have the right to be outrageous. And liberals, we might really dislike this, but we're going to have to put up with it. That would be really good. <laughs> and instead, we have Elon Musk retweeting Ian Michael Chong. And it's like, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I just, I, you have to ask, like, you can't be fans of people. You have to ask, like, what's better, ultimately, for the ideals that you hold. And a liberal... AOC type in charge of Twitter is far better than some like right wing, like, like grifter fan or whatever. He's, he was, okay, this is what I looked at this morning doing my research. He's talking to Tim Pool about Rick and Morty. You know, I'm sorry, (laughs) but like, you need to be thrown into a locker immediately. Like, I'm sorry. You, you have bad taste. You're a nerd. You're, you're just, just shut the fuck up. Like, you, you don't, if those are your, it's like Tim Pool, who's like philosophical and moral principles he acquired by watching marvel movies like this is the level of like person we're dealing with like children like teenagers for instance if i met a 14 year old who developed a more a philosophical system based on marvel movies i'd be like wow smart kid when i meet a 35 year old or a 55 year old who loves marvel movies it's like wow you're you're useless (laughs) you know like i don't know what to say to you bud yeah, you know, I, I totally agree. And he did say, actually, I don't know if you remember that he's going to step down as CEO. And he was kind of, you know, with the idea, maybe a guy like Mr. Beast would join. Do you think that would be like, that would be a better change? If someone like that would take over the position? Uh, I, I know next to nothing about Mr. Beast. I, I remember my daughter <laughs> was showing me a Mr. Beast video on YouTube Kids like a year ago or something. And I was like, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of, like, is he like a PewDiePie kind of type? He's got I a think, huge following is what I hear. Yeah, he's the most subscribed guy on YouTube, on the platform. I believe he's like, he does... I'm not exactly sure what he does, but he's a very big YouTube following. I just saw they had a he. Uh, Elon said that he's not out of the question of being the next CEO, and I thought that was interesting because yeah, like you said, he's kind of for kids. He does content, so yeah. like you said, he's kind of like a liberal. You know, he's not really like conservative that at all. That sounds better, actually. But that, that anything is better than Elon, to be honest. 
I got yeah, you. I mean, the guy, yeah, it's just a, it's a disaster. Um, anyway, I appreciate your comments. And, yeah, appreciate uh, it. Yeah, talk to you later. All right. All right, Rocco. Hang on, uh, Yeah, um, and it's, it's Rocco. It's, it's a short O. Everyone gets this wrong, so I'm not going to hold it against you. Okay. Uh, how's it going? It's going well. So what's the origin of Rocco? Is that your name, or does it kind of mean something? No, that, that is my name. It's actually a Croatian name because I'm half Croatian. Oh, okay. Interesting. The, the Groypers. Um, well, not necessarily the Groypers, but he is he has banned Nick Fuentes after allowing him on the platform for 24 hours. So 24 it just seems hours. it seems haphazard, and you know, on the face, it seems haphazard and scatterbrained. But then, what I'm questioning—I don't know if you're a little bit late to the party here—but what I'm questioning is whether there's this kind of dynamic at play because Elon is clearly in some kind of mutual fandom with these alt-light kind of right-wing grift sphere. And who do, you, what, who do you mean by that? Oh, Ian Michael Chong, Tim.com, um, Tim Pool. I mean, the list goes on. That Scott Adams, yeah, that type of person. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Elon has nowhere else to go, though, right? I mean, right. you know, he has, to, he has to have a political faction to support him. Um, you know, the kind of, like, um, boomer right are completely compromised and pointless. The left doesn't want to touch him, so he has nowhere else to go, right? I mean, it's not like... But that's he all he's doing. Yeah, but I mean, I think he kind of checkmated himself a little bit. And I mean, like, what else was he supposed to do, right? I mean... You know, he, he did a great thing by exposing uh, the, you know, the kind of just horrendous uh, practices that were going on at Twitter with the Twitter files. Um, I mean, that was kind of, that was a huge move, right? So once he's done that, where does he go? I'm not sure how horrendous it was, um, but I, I do see your point. But isn't this a kind of interesting thing where it's, you know, the concept of like an anti-hero? You know, it's not Luke Skywalker. It's a kind of, well, I say this, Luke Skywalker in his way is a kind of anti-hero, but, you know, it's not, it's not just kind of an obviously heroic person, but it's kind of like a bad guy who maybe ultimately does good or maybe does good for, with bad motivations or, or you know what I mean. There, there's, a, there's a way in which there are kind of like anti-ideologies and almost like anti-companies. So Elon Musk is exposing Twitter and he seems to even be presenting himself as like not in control of Twitter. So I, I saw a tweet today where he was like, I'm going to investigate this. We need to get to the bottom of the algorithm or whatever. So it's, it's this weird way of like, there's a sinking ship and the captain is like denouncing whoever sunk it while it's sinking, while he's on it. I mean, it's just a weird situation where he's, he's like playing to people who believe that in, in total corruption of social media while being the social media CEO and while not actually offering something fundamentally new. I think he's playing patty cake with the alt-life, but Again, he banned Yay. He's banned other people. He's he, it's this weird kind of like game that. Well, I, I mean, you know, I just don't think like you don't go to a company and say like, I'm a, I'm the owner of this hamburger joint now, and like the last owners were Satanist and they were poisoning the hamburgers, but now we've recovered. Back to this Mother Jones article on Nick Fuentes. Nick Fuentes grew up in the relative comfort and stability of a two-parent household in the Chicago suburb of Lagrange. So Nick does seem you know, fairly mentally healthy, right? He doesn't seem as flamboyant as, say, Richard Spencer. He said that his father, Vice President Bill Fuentes, at a ball-bearing manufacturer's half-Mexican, which Nick sometimes uses to claim he's not a white supremacist, sometimes brushes off as distant lineage irrelevant after decades of assimilation. His parents supported Nick as he broadcast racist live streams from their basement. In one, he said that growing up, his family avoided Applebee's and Red Lobster because they were commonly known as Black Bear, adding that they shared a saying about Olive Garden that contained the N-word. In December 2021, his mother phoned into his show to speculate on the race of a man who'd opened a fire in a mall near her home. 
So was the mother simply basing this upon statistical evidence or was she just giving giving vent to you know bigotry and racism that had you know no statistics behind it so what flavor do you think that shooting was lauren fuentes asked you know what i mean before hanging up in a laughing moment she insisted that nick had learned anti-black prejudice from your dad so nick entered high school in 2012 Reassembled a roster of activities that suggest a lust for attention and budding oratorical skills. Look, we all like doing what we're good at. People who are good at basketball like playing basketball. People who are good at breaking and entering break and enter. People who are good at prayer, you know, pray a lot. Fuentes joined the speech team and Model UN, got elected, student body president, was selected to greet Illinois governor during a school visit. He hosted a campus TV and radio talk show where he discussed his conservative politics. He was more moderate then, sometimes describing himself as a former libertarian. Bill Allen. Taught Fuentes and ran the school's TV program, Solid Chicago Tribune, in 2017, that none of the stuff he produced was even close to the levels he is at now. Well, of course not, because it wouldn't be, it would not have been allowed. So you can still press on kids like they're rubber balls. And as long as you've got power over them, you can make some kind of indentation. The libertarian to fascist pathway is well documented. And the seeds of what his politics would become were already present. So I don't think uh, fascist is an accurate label for what Nick Fuentes is all about. In a blog post from just after his high school graduation, 17-year-old Fuentes harbors a pessimistic outlook that would lead him to forsake free markets. My timely birth allowed me to watch on the nightly news the spoils of the American experiment squandered for one final time before the dying gasp of a once exceptional people as the free world and economic abundance of Ronald Reagan was inherited by the lizard people. My generation is a generation of hopelessness. In the foreshadowing of his turn to Christian theocracy, he promised to promulgate and preach the good word of American restoration. So waiting for the body cam footage. We'll cut to it as soon as it arrives. In the same post written the day before Trump was formally nominated as a Republican 2016 candidate, Nick Fuentes described his ascent as an opportunity. Donald Trump has created an opening. We don't know for how long. We don't know if it is big enough, but it is an opportunity for the American people to throw off the yoke of the New Age orthodoxy, which has enslaved us. I think he means the New Age orthodoxy that has enslaved us. Fuentes eventually deleted his blog. He began the live streams that would make him a far-right star from his parents' home. Yes, quite a few bloggers have become vloggers including myself. After enrolling at Boston University, he would broadcast nightly from the dorms. He grew more radical. Well, also, you you will tend to go where your audience wants you to go. All right. So punditry is not something that is generally powered by the pundit search for truth. Rather, pundits learn to service a particular audience, just like the successful hooker learns to you know service her clients. So Fuentes grew more radical because he was getting you know, attention and applause and money for that. Established a campus reputation as an Islamophobic Trump supporter. Well, there's no such thing as Islamophobia, but different groups have different interests, different groups have different abilities. Proximity and diversity sometimes leads to disaster. So what's called Islamophobia or homophobia, you know, it refers to people with fears about, you know, outgroups. Nick Fuentes claimed persecution. Well, every in-group identity claims persecution. Likened the grief students gave him for wearing a MAGA hat to being discriminated against for being black or wearing a hijab. 
when campus conservatives tapped in for an election debate against Boston University student president, Nick Fuentes seized every opportunity. All right. What do we have here? Do we have the, the footage? Let's go to the videotape. Leaders should not have done this. I would agree with that. All right. So we are getting some video in. Let's see if we can play that out. We have security footage here. It looks like this was the initial stop. And we have those five officers right there. One, two, three, four, five, it looks like. Maybe four officers there. And that looks like Tyree on the ground. It's hard to actually tell precisely what's happening right there. This looks like probably a camera that's mounted on some sort of building that was able to capture the initial pullover. Now, we have to warn the audience that we do have some footage of the pepper spraying incident that may have preceded this. Um, and if we're ready for it, here it is. Hey. Give me your hands. Give me your hands. Okay. Give me your hands. Give me your hands. Okay. All right. Give me your hands. Give me your hands, bro. Give me your hands. Anyone who resists arrest by police is taking his life in his hands. He is essentially committing suicide by cop. All right, so they were dispersing pepper spray on Tyree. It looks like he was on the ground right there. He's saying, give me your hands, give me your hands. Uh, was not complying or could not comply at the time. You know, pepper spray is not good and usually renders suspects um, pretty compliant. Uh, again, that was a very short clip we just showed you. It looks like they're still trying to handcuff him, and we're going to have more video to come as we bring it in. We saw few punches being thrown there. Uh, a couple shots to the body, it looked like. It was very hard to tell from that camera angle. Let's bring in Rob O'Donnell, uh, one of our law enforcement experts, who is also following the story and has seen some of the video. I haven't uh, talk to him yet. So, Rob, again, you just saw a little bit of that. Again, it's hard to piece together uh, in a consecutive fashion what led to that. But we had five officers over Tyree. Uh, there were some punches thrown, some spray used. Uh, your immediate reaction to that? My main immediate reaction is they had enough officers there to control that suspect without going to, it looks like they were using an ASP. It looks like a couple of kicks were, thro were, were thrown on the suspect. Uh, there were some punches. Uh, you know, he wasn't handcuffed. So with this video, it's hard to see you know, how, how non-compliant he was. But there were enough officers there where they could have overpowered him without striking him, in my opinion, to, uh, to, to cuff him. But again, with this video being grainy and from a distance, it's hard to tell. When we can put this together with the other close or body cameras, you know, you'll be able to tell. But, you know, he's down on the ground. To, to kick him while he's on the ground is, is something that we don't, we don't teach people to do, and it, it's, it's excessive. Those were my thoughts exactly. And, you know, I don't like to prejudge this. These guys are innocent until proven guilty. They've been indicted, and they're facing a lot of time. Usually when you see a suspect on the ground like this, one of the officers will get on the ground with the suspect, either a knee to the back, um, some sort of pressure applied to the, to the back or to the arms, and they're able to subdue the suspect. Usually it takes one, maybe two, but to stand around and, and land shots, um, 
I'm not sure what's going on there. Well, one of the problems with that, Jesse, is we can no longer put a knee to the back or put pressure on the back of the torso in New York City. I'm not sure about the force uh, restrictions that they have in Memphis. But in New York City, you can't get on top and put pressure on the torso to control them, to handcuff them because of, of the laws and, and regulations they've passed. So, uh, you know, that that may play a factor here when they when they go to trial as far, part of their defense. So you're saying uh, that police uh, tactics their, their use of force. You're saying police tactics have been hamstrung to that level where these guys can't get on the ground with this guy and subdue him. They have to stand above him and pepper spray him and land blows like that. I know in New York State, based on the laws and regulations that they passed with the NYPD, you cannot put pressure on the person's torso with your knee. So it, it, it could be a factor in this. OK. All right. Well, again, I just want to remind the audience we're getting this footage from the police department piecemeal. Uh, we get one video that's released, another video that's released. So we have to turn that around and we obviously have to edit for language, um, but we're not doing any other sort of edits. So we do have some more footage that we'd like to show you. Let's see what we have. All right, so I don't like the looks of it. Just gut instinct. Give me your hands. Give me your hands. He was squirming around. I maybe would have just flipped him over and put his arms behind his back. I don't see why they didn't do that. I uh, saw a couple kicks thrown. Um, what did you think there? I, what I, at no time did the officers attempt to gain control of his wrists or his hands to cuff him. They kept saying it, and he wasn't cuffed. But it, it doesn't look like their, their motive was to control the suspect and to handcuff him at that point. But again, this is just a, a small snapshot of the, the, the incident in totalities. But that's what I'm seeing in that clip that we just showed. Yeah, and it's, and it's tough to do this kind of clip by clip without seeing the whole thing like that. But again, it doesn't, as you say, seem like they were making a, a huge effort. Okay, Memphis has released uh, footage. So let's uh, see if we can see the uncensored footage. Okay, we'll also keep an eye on, on Fox. How to go to whatever is, is uh, most, most compelling here. It doesn't have any sound. I guess I'll, I'll play Fox News in the background. This is horrific. But I also believe that there are people uh, in this country who are going to exploit this situation for political purposes and do what they've done in, in Ferguson. Uh, of the 51 people arrested for rioting in Ferguson, only one was in Ferguson. In the riots in Atlanta recently, None of the people arrested for rioting were from Atlanta. So there are people who prey on situations like this, and, and the danger is that they condemn all police because of the, of the misdeeds of these officers and condemn this mantra that we should defund the police and that all police are, 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 are agents of, of white supremacy and this other foolishness. And, and the, the consequence is it increases the amount of violence that is going on. There are 6,000 children who are murdered and shot every year in America. Last year, 6,000. 
Only 20 people die as a result of the kind of uh, outrage that we just witnessed, 20. Now, one is, a, is too many, but the fact is, why is there outrage because uh, in, in circumstances like this, and we're not outraged by the thousands of children that are dying. The youngest one was, her name is um, uh, Ari, Ari, Ariana Delaney. She was six month old baby being pushed by her mother in Chicago and a bullet came and hit her in the head. A three year old uh, girl was uh, in, in, in Houston. So apparently YouTube is taking down any video from Project Veritas where you have Jordan Tristan Walker, Pfizer Director of Research and Development, Strategic Operations and MRNA Scientific Planning, where he says, don't tell anyone there is a risk. We have to be very controlled to make sure this virus doesn't mutate, doesn't create something the way the virus started in Wuhan. So you can watch this conversation on Twitter, but I'm not allowed to play it on YouTube. Americans who build offensive strategy. And so we think it's important to concentrate on solutions and not just uh, use all of our energies talking about how to prevent bad things from happening. Yeah. So we do have some more footage. And again, we're getting it bit by bit from the police department. Here is another vantage point from one of the body cameras. Watch. So that looks like there was a foot pursuit in the middle of that incident. It looks like he may have escaped to his feet, maybe gone, I don't know, 10, 15 yards, tackled again, and then hit with a flurry of kicks and punches uh, by multiple officers. Oh, it's right in front of you. What do you have to say about that? I mean, again, th these, are, th these are the actions of, I think, a few bad officers, and they should be uh, prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. But the way... Yeah, here's, here's more footage. Uncensored. Who's laying wrong? That way. Okay, I gotta find my glasses and get this damn taser downloaded. Wait, right off.
blue jeans and a plaid jacket. Sure. Yeah, here we go, get a little more footage. Okay, let's uh, go back to Fox News for some more selections. from cops. Oh. Right, that that's suicide by cop. Twenty nine thirty eight, where it rains and Ross. Taser was deployed. All right, let's bring back Rob O'Donnell, retired NYBT detective. So they pull him out of the vehicle. Okay, let's go back to the raw footage here. Oh, who the fuck is Rob, My mama broke my eye. I got scared. Oh, yeah, my shit's burning. I just re over my shit back up, bro. My leg, bro. My knee. My radio, bro. Shit. My shit off the channel like a motherfucker. All right, let's uh, get back to Fox News. For All around him, it might have been hindering him to, to follow those commands. I mean, with, with again, with this body cam and this one angle, it's hard to see. But, uh, you know, I agree. With, with the numbers of officers they had there, the experience and training they had, they should have been able to secure him as soon as they was out of the car. I mean, one of the officers, uh, he, he has a stun gun right on the guy's leg while he's on the ground. And you have two officers gaining control of the guy's wrist. I mean, he's not he's not on his stomach, but he's also no threat at all. And they and they almost they don't necessarily say they let him get up. But they could have easily kept him on the ground. And now you have a foot pursuit. And there's nothing more dangerous than a foot pursuit. 
Yeah, 100%, Jesse. Uh, like I said, they had the numbers there to keep him down and secure him. Uh, you know, did, I don't see a set of handcuffs out to try and secure him. I, I see the taser out against him. Um, it, it's just it's, it, it's not looking good for these officers, which I, you know, I'm understanding why they've been terminated and why they face charges now. So in terms of police training, I mean, in this situation, what is the exact police training tell you to do here? Well, depending on what they pulled him over for, it seems like reckless driving uh, is an arrestable offense. You know, it, he was verbally, you know, coming out of the car. He did came out. Uh, they, they kept saying, give me your hands. Uh, if they felt there, there, there was a danger and they needed to secure him, uh, your job as a police officer is to secure that scene as quickly and without a, a further incident as possible, which is to put. Okay, let's go to the raw footage. Rossi, You might get sprayed again. Hey. Hey, Mike. Hey. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. We have Heather McDonald here. Heather, take us out big picture statistically. I mean, this is this is extremely rare. Well, absolutely. And, you know, Jesse, this looks like absolutely terrible tactics. Cops are desperate for more tactical training in de-escalation and stress control. So they're not put in an in a position that they feel they need to use uh, lethal force. And instead, they're being given implicit bias training, diversity training, complete waste of money. But the narrative that is being put on what looks to be a very horrific incident is inflammatory. It's coming from the president on down that we are living through an epidemic of racially biased uh, police killings of black men. That is completely false. President Biden just said, oh, the, the criminal justice system denies equal treatment to blacks. He should know better. Study after study coming out of Harvard, out of Michigan State University, out of the left wing Center for Policing Equity shows that there is no bias in fatal police shootings. In fact, Jesse, the percentage of white and Hispanic homicide victims who were killed by a cop is over four times higher than the percentage of black homicide victims who are killed by a cop. Nine percent of all white and Hispanic homicide victims are killed by a cop compared to two percent of black homicide victims who are killed by a cop. Now, there is a massive black homicide problem. Police are the solution 
to that problem, not the cause. When the police back off of proactive policing, as they will do in Memphis and they may do across the country, here's what happens. More black lives are lost. Yeah. In 2020, there were 10,000 blacks who were killed and murdered. That's 3,000 more than all white and Hispanics combined. And that is because the police backed off. Black homicide went through the roof. Children, dozens of black children have been killed. It's uh, just a police a officer, it turns out. Insane tragedy. All of it. All the deaths, all of the abuse, and everything that results from something like this and all the other incidents that we've been covering for far too long. Let's now turn it over to Alice Johnson. She's the CEO of Taking Action for Good Foundation, a criminal... Yeah, let's go back to uncensored video from the Memphis people. <sighs> Car quick. 
Okay, we'll Let's keep uh, looking for the best uh, footage. What the fuck are you doing? Just, just serve hamburgers. Like, have a good yeah, social I mean, network. The, the thing is, social networks are not like hamburgers because, uh, you know, Twitter specifically is valuable, you know, mostly in so much as it can be used for censorship, right? I mean, it, if, if we look that's at how this, this arrangement seems to work for right? but go on, go so, on, go on. Well, so, so look at it this way, right? So Elon fired, like, what, 90% of the staff, 80%, right. um, cut a bunch of costs. And at the same time, all of these regime-aligned advertisers cut the funding. So it's like, well, old Twitter was spending five times too much on these, you know, salaries for, you know, leftists and, and grifters, right? But the regime-aligned advertisers were prepared to just bankroll that, right? Indefinitely, I presume. What the fuck were they getting out of that arrangement? I mean, like, well, not the financial getting, return, right? They were getting they, sentences. They were, they were That's getting what they were financial. getting. Surely they were getting financial returns. No, they weren't. It wasn't profitable. Well, no, not, not Twitter itself, but people, advertisers, I mean, they were certainly profiting from their advertisement. I mean, surely they weren't I, bankrolling I, I, Twitter out of the goodness of their heart. I, I, no, they weren't doing it out of the goodness of their heart. I don't think they were getting ROI on those ads, but it's very hard. It's hard to prove whether or not you're getting ROI on ads, right? Right. So if you, want to, if you want to basically clandestinely fund something uh, at, at a loss, uh, one way you could do that is by giving it a bunch of uh, ad spend. And in fact, you know, early on in the takeover process. Shit! Give me a Give me a motherfucking Watch out! I'm gonna turn the fuck out you! the fuck it is! Watch out! Watch out! Give it his! Give it his! Give it his! Same location. Ross and Kelsey, Ross and Kelsey. What's it? Give me your fucking hand. Give me your hand. Give me your fucking hand. Give me your hand. Give me your hand. Ross and Castlegate. We are east of the intersection. Well, that could be a dangerous situation if, you know, you find yourself on the wrong end of one of these vehicles. I don't like where this is going. Please cover this safely for us, Steve, and we'll come right back to you. That looks like that could escalate pretty quickly. Let's bring in Paul Morrow. He's an attorney and a retired NYPD inspector. And, Paul, just before we get into this, we're waiting on some video. These are the police now speaking to each other after uh, the incident has has taken place. Your reaction to what you've seen so far? Okay, so let's go to tactics, okay, and drill down a little bit on that. So, in a macro sense, police are generally taught to ask, tell, make, in that order. Now, you don't always have to follow that order. I don't see any ask there. This is a relatively minor thing. He's it's a driving infraction. And from the video that I've seen so far, it goes right to them yanking him out of the car. They're yelling. They're not de-escalating. So just tactically, there are definitely going to be some issues here. Now, why does that matter? Aside from the fact that it leads to what occurred, 
it's way out of policy, all right? So the fact that they're way out of policy right from the get-go shows you that maybe there's a lack of supervision. There's certainly been a lack of some in-service training. So my larger point here is because the tactics seem to be so poor, I don't think this is necessarily going to end with an examination of just these five officers. So you think maybe there was a culture in the department or this specific task force might have been unleashed without of a lot of supervision or training? I can't say that definitively. I don't know the uh, entire background of it, and that will come out. But I can tell you this. This thing goes on for a long time. And from what I've seen so far, there's no indication that a boss shows up. Now, in an incident like this, there's going to be a lot of radio traffic. They would have put something. If they did not, then that's a mistake as well. Generally, with units like this, this is a uh, unit that operates either in plain clothes or in unmarked cars. The supervision has to be tight. We've had it here in New York City. It's called the anti-crime unit. Yeah. Sometimes the large, the citywide unit's called street crime. The supervision of those units is very, very tight because they're really the point of the spear. They're out there doing the gun stops. Uh, they're doing gun cases. They're doing stuff that we really want police doing. They're putting their lives on the line. But what that means is you've got to be very closely uh, supervised. The tactics have to be tight. People sometimes have to be rotated in and out regularly, et cetera. So I think that, you know, aside from the obvious here, and I've seen the videos, and I concur, they look bad. Um, I think there's going to be some other examination that goes on here. But why would a pretty tough anti-crime street clothes unit or unmarked car unit go in and pull a guy out of the car for a driving infraction this strong? So, you know, that is... Maybe a little bit of, I wouldn't necessarily put a pejorative on that. I wouldn't necessarily say right off the bat, well, they shouldn't have been doing that. One of the ways guys like this, units like this, develop their cases is just from the ground up. Now, what we haven't seen, and I'd be very curious to see, is the precursor video before all of this occurs, before they rip him out of the car there. I haven't seen that. What is this driving erratically uh, allegation? Um, we haven't seen that. And to go as hard as they did here, you really have to wonder. I mean, it's a traffic infraction. Right. And so... And we're only getting the video as it's coming in, being released by the police department. That's right. We don't have access to all of this video. Okay, I got to run off for Shabbat. I'll say Shabbat Shalom. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.